All right, welcome back, everyone. It is time yet again for another episode. I got my boy Deuce here with me. Deuce Rollins, say hello to the people. Yo, what's up? What's going on, guys? Yo, Deuce in the house. Uh, so Deuce, let's start here. Thanks to everybody who listens and our Patreon community, all you people. Um, Michael Conlon returned to the ring this past weekend. He fought Miguel Mariaga. Now, I don't think you guys thought we were going to start with this, but I'm just going to get it out of the way from the beginning. This fight was awful. It was, uh, just not very enjoyable. There was a part of me that was happy to see Conlon get back on the ring he looked like he, I mean, against very, very, very limited opposition, Miguel Mariaga, definitely a shell of himself, but he looked like he has figured out why he essentially lost to Lee Wood and has gone to work at implementing a new style, which is going to prevent him from getting to that position again. And in a rematch, give him a much better shot at winning and like at a minimum, not getting knocked completely out of the ring. So the fight was horrible, not very fun to watch. The style that he's that he's employing is the whole, you know, I'm just not going to engage much and I'm going to reduce all risk and work, you know, long range jabs and straights and really just leave it at that. So Miguel uh, Mariaga takes yet another loss. Michael Collin back in the win column. We're not going to talk about that. We're here to talk about Virgil Ortiz stopping Michael McKinson. Um, let me ask you the first question here. Did the fight go longer than you thought it would? No, that's first of all, it's not like my first takeaway. So it's interesting that you that's the first question you would ask. But um, also, no, I don't think it went further than I thought it would. Um, I didn't think that McKinson was like a Danny Dignam, even though I made the joke uh, a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You accused me of, of doing some Danny Dignam comparison uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was messing around. Doing. I'm pretty sure that I made that up but anyways <laughs> <laughs> um, me. I was going crazy I was like no I did not say this yeah man sometimes you gotta know you gotta know sell it but anyways um Virgil Ortiz and Michael McKinson am I surprised that it went into the ninth round or whenever it did um not really. I would have been a little surprised if it went the distance, but um, taking him whatever a half a round further than he had ever been before, or whatever it was, maybe a full round, is probably about expect about what the expectation it should have been or was for most people. I know it was like the sort of thing where some people who bet with one line won their over under bet of either over or under and some people lost so it was like where the line was depending on where you got it was fluctuating between basically the exact time um that the fight ended so uh obviously that would indicate that uh the odds makers had it pretty much perfectly spot on and it went to expectation um and yeah i don't know it wasn't uh there wasn't anything any huge conclusions that I drew out of that fight other than it was about exactly what we could have expected, which is kind of why I didn't need to see the fight six months ago when it was first planned. And I didn't really need to see it uh, this past weekend either, but it happened. So, um, okay. It was all right. It was, 
of Virgil Ortiz fight. So it was good for him, I guess, to get more rounds. But I don't necessarily know that he um, – and I guess it, it makes more sense now than ever, uh, given that he had a little bit of layoff. Um, that that sort of opponent made sense now more than it did probably the first time it was booked. But, yeah, I mean, it was Virgil Ortiz versus Michael McKinson. Late, mid to late stoppage sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, although I had a pretty strong feeling going into this that McKinson, there was definitely like a possibility that he could go far into fights. I mean, like you don't get to 22-0 and 0 with two knockouts and not know how to uh, shithouse a fight if you need to and extend rounds because uh, it's you don't too often see a guy with two knockouts and 20-plus fights. It just doesn't really happen in the sport. I mean, but are we taking into account the, the British demographic? Because if you just self-contain it to that demographic, you do kind of see it a lot because British white guys, low <laughs> knockout percentages. It's kind of just a thing. It's kind of just a thing. You know what I mean? Uh, not when uh, Matchroom is matching uh their guys. Well, I mean, I should say he didn't come up. He didn't come up through Matchroom. I know that he came up through uh, those bougie MTK shows, or he was fighting in front of thirteen people, half of whom were waiting to use the pool table. Like (laughs) that's what I'm saying. Like maybe it it could be a little bit different uh if he was with Matchroom and they were matching him against uh well they they had a, a little more tact with their matchmaking, but I mean. To me, like the the big thing coming into this, like I didn't need to see this fight, as you alluded to, and the reason for that is like I know how good Virgil is at this point, and there are still questions, certainly about him. I mean, he's still like a, a early twenty something year old welterweight who hasn't been tested by like a former champion or something like that. But I know what his level is, like who he should be fighting, and McKinson is well below that. It's, it's similar to, and I guess maybe, you know, I can bring up your Danny Dignam thing and, uh, you know, assume possession of the take. But, like, Jean Beck didn't need Danny Dignam whatsoever. We knew he was well above that. We knew that Dignam was coming in and he was basically just uh, like the cow in Jurassic Park that got lowered into the dinosaur enclosure. And... um <laughs> Michael McKinson essentially was a, a part of that. Now, I saw people like, and, and I hate when people do this, like, oh, but he was so classy in his defeat. And it's like, yeah, but so what? Class, like, we don't rank dudes because they're classy. Um, a lot of guys at the top would not be ranked, by the way, if that were the case. Um, but also just, who, just like, who cares? Like, what? That has nothing to do with boxing at all. I mean, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't involve shit that doesn't have to do with boxing. But, like, McKinson. It's the take it, about the fight. A domestic British fighter, and that's fine. And Virgil Ortiz is so much better than British domestic level. And it, it you know, it kind of sucks for Golden Boy because they're kind of in this position where I don't really know how you match them. I mean, they're off to they were they were more on the ball with it when they matched them. I mean, Hooker, uh, but like the Kevaloskis fight, um, that's more. I mean, you want guys that are actually like going to offer something different i mean and i do think generally speaking you want to see guys who have more experience and that is good like at the top level like you said former champion even if they're not necessarily in their physical prime just because i think 
I think guys at that stage learn more from that type of fight than they do from beating another guy who doesn't have the experience edge over you. So then it's just kind of a match of or the who type of opponent is better. What's up? I was gonna say, or the type of opponent that you get something from, meaning your your profile increases and people uh, start to take more notice of you. You're not gonna do that with Michael McKinson because and and this is a tweet that you had. You tweeted something out about essentially did him missing weight in his last fight throw off his momentum because the crowd at the fight was nowhere near what it was for the Maurice Hooker fight. The Maurice Hooker fight, I think that's a pretty small venue, but it comes off really well on TV. And that thing was packed and it was loud and it was like exciting in there. And the fight, it's a a college basketball venue. So it's like, that's what it's used to, right? It's like, it doesn't have the the biggest capacity because I don't think like Texas Christian or whoever is going to fill with with 25,000 people. But at the same time, they want to make it like a good atmosphere. So it's kind of a perfect venue if you can draw the right crowd. Same thing with Kavalowskis too, though. Is like, even though he's on, on his own, he's not a name in any way, shape or form. Just like you said, the, you're getting something from him based on his performances on ESPN and more specifically his loss to Crawford and, and making that fight interesting and at least having a name that people knew, I mean, or a nickname that people knew at least <laughs> a mean machine. Although I did hear a lot of people call him green machine, which is just funny because it's not his name. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's like playing a game of telephone at some point, he's going to be like the lean machine. <laughs> the green machine. I'm pretty sure that's like a, a drink at Jamba juice. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, but um, yeah, the, like the, at least that you're getting something from that or like you have something basically it's like if you're in the elevator with your friend and you want to convince them like, oh, like tickets are like 40 bucks or whatever. Do you want to go to this thing with me this weekend? Could you convince them? To, is there a concise way of explaining why they should go like, oh, Virgil, he's just a hometown kid. He wins by knockout all the time. And he's fighting a guy who fought Terrence Crawford pretty tough. Like, oh, it's like a, there's got to be like a simple like straight to the point whether it's because that other guy has a name or he has an angle to sell one. I mean, it's, he's got to have something like speaking of fights that, that get sold over like a water cooler, two second sales pitch. That's like a t- essentially the entire sales pitch for Eubank junior Ben, but that's a big part of promotion. And yeah, that was McKinson kind of had none of the qualities that you want. <laughs> He comes from Britain, which like nobody cares about. It's in the welterweight division, there's no relevance. That literally, culturally no or, one knew existed. He has no, he has no, like he has no domestic rivals that anyone else would know. Like there are certain weight classes where maybe that would be helpful in some way, but like in welterweight, it's completely irrelevant. He has no knockouts, so you he can't like even just say, "Oh, he's got a high knockout percentage. He's a puncher." Like he's real. just, yeah, he's just completely devoid of any positive characteristics as far as being a sale selling point for the fight but um anyways it doesn't really matter and i i I think it's kind of uh a pointless endeavor to be too negative about his uh opposition right now because i mean at least he fought an undefeated guy i mean it's better than fighting a completely obscure like no hoper i guess you know what i mean um there, there are worse people you could have picked um but at the end of the day, the guys that we want to see him fight, he's not going to fight right now because the division is kind of in a like a 
turnover stage, but it hasn't kind of reached the top of the hill where all of a sudden things will start going downhill again mm-hmm. and picking up momentum. So at the end of the day, I mean, it was one of the most uninspiring opponent choices possible, but it's kind of like, eh, like, do I have the, would I really have been so, would it have been so much better if it was fucking, I don't know what, like Robert Guerrero or whoever you want to pick, Thomas DeLorme, fucking, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, there was no one realistically that they were going to get that was going to be like actually interesting. So unless you're just counting like who can get the most creative, who can we bring back Devin Alexander? Like, uh, what, what, the, what the fuck is, uh, no, nah, I mean it's like, bro, like, what, what the fuck is Antonio Margarita yeah, doing? Zen, can we, un- can we unearth him? Yeah, bro, I'm just, I'm just saying, people. The, so there's not really that many like. You want to say like, what? Well, you want to see him fight Ugas or Thurman or you know what I mean? It's like, okay, so yeah, I, I, I can, I can play video games too. But we're talking about real life. I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing. We don't we don't engage in fantasy on this podcast, you know. But it is it is. I will say the one thing I will say is it it is. If there is something I can give Golden Boy credit for in general, and I think the Hooker matchmaking and the Kavlaskis matchmaking are a, a positive that point towards this is like usually they do at least find something that's much more relevant or like has some angle to sell or some reason that, that it should work promotionally. And that's why McKinson seemed like such a strange pick and always seemed back to when it originally was going to happen to have some weird MTK connection because Golden Boy would never choose that guy. Golden Boy would never choose. <laughs> Golden oh, Boy and- wouldn't just pick, pick some random fucking guy. You know what I mean? Like they, they do know what they're doing, even if they are kind of clowns. Right, right. They're, they And they've shown. They're not matchroom. They're, they don't pick fucking guys like McKinson to be the opponent and then wonder why no one shows up to the arena. <laughs> no, and if you just look at what they've done with Virgil up to this, up to the McKinson fight, they have done a really good job and the matchmaking has made sense. This was just nonsensical. Uh, the only way to really explain it would have to be the whole MTK shit, which is a bunch of guys who. Uh, like a McKinson who nobody knew in the UK signed to MTK somehow got positioned mysteriously towards the top of sanctioning bodies. I mean, what's that all about? Who knows? And then, um, and then find themselves in these fights where, with guys that really, sh- they are well below them. And, um, you know, Vir- you know, we're not saying Virgil's not good because it's definitely like, it's, it's the opposite. Like, He's got to then move forward. I mean, like, do you think Alexis Rocha is kind of a step in the right direction for him? Um, No. A step in the right direction? No, not at all. Do I think that that's like a fine placeholder? I guess. Yeah, sure. That This is kind of where I'm getting into like, and this is the same thing is true with like boots for now is like, I I'm not going to care about their matchmaking for like un- until other shit at the top of the division moves and like other shit changes. So it's like, do I like the Alexis Rocha fight? No. Does it at least make some sense on some level? Yes. So uh, would it probably be promotable and like make sense for Golden Boy and all that? Yes. So like, would I be mad at it? No. Would I shit on it? No. Would I watch it? Yes. But. Alexis Rocha isn't going to fucking tell us anything about Virgil Ortiz either. But at this point, the guys who will or the fights that will aren't going to happen 
for reasons that have nothing to do with Ortiz or like if the other person that's always in the same category, obviously, is Ennis. It's like, what are you going to really get too worried about? I mean, unless they want to make this Danny Ones fight or like somehow could make that happen. But obviously, it seems like that's not happening imminently. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do I, what did we learn from Rota versus Ortiz? probably almost nothing um but at the same time it's another fight and he's got to keep fighting so um it's as good a choice as pretty much anyone else i mean other than ellis the guy who beat rocha but obviously golden boy let him (laughs) yeah that that ship has sailed so um yeah i don't know if it's if it is rocha next i will have no qualms with it (laughs) you know what i mean it's it's uh it's what these guys need to keep doing, which is just keep fighting and uh, keep fighting guys that have some interest level or some relevance. Let's uh, let's bring this full circle on the undercard. The man. Oh my god! <laughs> if he fights Blair Cobbs, I will actually be mad or annoyed. It's like you should have seen his face. Uh... <laughs> he, he, I don't, I don't think you get this real like that frustrated and annoyed in your like in your non-boxing life then you just that look you just made you're disgusted but uh i mean the commentary team usually knows things they know the direction things are heading and um blair cobbs made his return after being embarrassed by alexis rocha against maurice hooker who um i don't know somehow looked worse than he's ever looked in his career and i find i I feel like that's like really hard to do based off of him being the guy that I saw lose to Jose Ramirez um, and uh, Virgil Ortiz, and then also Bro, that- who did he lo- who did he lose to on the Kovalev Ward undercard? Darlie Jabroni on there too. Yeah, there you go, Darlie's prize. I was I was saving that one for last. Hooker's been Hooker's been bad for a long time. I mean, but, but- I definitely there was definitely something going on with his camp or whatever. I mean, he was overweight. It seemed like reading between the lines of just random tweets i saw there was a lot of there were a lot of people who knew he was going to be overweight there were a lot of people who already had doubts about his preparedness for the fight um and then some of the scuttlebutt afterwards it just seemed like um there's like a few people saying that he took the fight for um the wrong reasons or something i it, it just seemed like all right I, it, it was there really um, anything that shocking that sometimes people in boxing do things that are the same reason that people in other walks of life do them? It's like we kind of treat them like robots, but if you find out later or whatever that like, yeah, I was blowing. Well, there's a reason he looks like absolute shit is because he didn't train for the fight or like he he was very uh, preoccupied with this trade and like with some, something else is going on so it's like unless we are going to find out what that story is it's kind of like whatever but it's it's not like this is the first time we've seen something like this from murray sucker so um yeah anytime you're moving up in weight and then you have to like two weeks before the or like a week before the fight contact the other team and tell them that you're not going to make the new weight and you have to go to a catch weight above that <laughs> like <laughs> clearly there was something going on and for Cobbs and for Golden Boy, who signed him for a two-fight deal to get him to lose to two of their fighters. Like, clearly everyone else involved was perfectly happy to let, like, him keep his paycheck if, 
Like they knew they were going to win. I'm looking with some slight like hindsight at it. It's like everyone involved with the fight knew that they were going to beat Hooker, and so like they didn't give a shit if he showed up at like 170. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like he wasn't showing up big because he was like in such good shape and just outgrowing the weight class. It's like he clearly wasn't very focused on the fight. So or he something else was going on. Yeah, I guess it, there's there's only so much you can talk about it without actually knowing what it is, but um yeah in retrospect it all made sense and it kind of like maybe this is just because i fucking hate blair cobbs and don't think he's good but like i don't there's there is no like oh blair cobbs is like become this great fighter blah blah blah. he's become this fighter who's learned from it like i sure okay but Blair cobbs still sucks allow him he's not gonna he's not gonna be competitive with anyone who's relevant like he was running he was running from maurice hooker like the cor- well, the I shell, think. the corpse, the corpse of Maurice Hooker in a hologram form, uh, made of fucking styrofoam and fucking I don't know, fucking I don't know, man. He just looked like shit, and still fucking he made that he made that fight much harder than he needed to, and then his his way of winning it was essentially just to like run away from Hooker, which is. People will say like, "Oh, don't bitch if you can't if if like don't say the guy is running from you if you just can't catch him." It's like, yeah, no shit. Hooker looked like absolute dog shit. <laughs> so like, no one's saying like, "Oh, you." It, it's just not impressive. Like any anybody who with two legs could have done that by the time Hooker looked like he did in like the fourth round. If I may, provide like, you should have you should have beat the shit out of him. Is what you should have done, but. You were gonna get knocked out doing that because you fucking suck. Blair Cobb sucks, <laughs> and I know at least he does have a gimmick, and so like it kind of goes against what I was saying before, which is like if if they did put fucking Cobbs against Ortiz, it would at least have a point because people might care because for some reason people are interested in Blair Cobbs, but like the dude sucks at boxing and is fucking a very corny motherfucker. Sorry, for, I mean for, the last thing you said is absolutely correct, but like. I don't know if I'll go as far as you in the uh, not, you know, the whole not being impressed with this performance because, like, I'll I'll accept most of your assessment on Blair Cobbs, which is to say that that dude does not have a lot of fundamental boxing talent, skill, whatever. But what we saw was actual growth, and we don't see that a lot. But oh, I guess you could counterpoint and say. Oh, well, I mean, like, it's hard. It's not hard to look like you've improved and learned how to box when, like, you were. Yeah, most guys don't get on TV looking like absolute shit. Yeah. So you can't see him, like, oh, wow, he's fighting. He's fighting like how he should, like, fucking moving his legs because it's the only fucking thing he has, you know? But, but, I mean, standing in the pocket. Freddie Roach before. Yeah, but that's the point is, like, what? He's always training with Freddie Roach. It's like, yeah, all right, but if if you're just going to get your ass beat, well, why are you training with Freddie Roach? He's not going to teach you how to fucking stick and move. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think Blair Cobbs ever really had an, I don't think that's, he, he thought that that's what boxing was about until he got whooped. Uh, but I mean, looked improved. Maurice, that's Hooker, a fair point. Maurice Hooker looked, um, I mean, he, he just looked, it looked sad. Uh, I mean, yeah, Maurice Hooker looked like something that doesn't even have to do with boxing. It's like more so just like whatever's going on with Maurice Hooker, I hope like, Everything's good with him because, but, but exactly, it looked like it has uh, nothing. It has nothing to do with boxing. <laughs> no, he looked I mean, bad, but he looked like the kind of bad where it's like, there, like you could see 
in like the life in his eyes. It wasn't like uh, the guy who went in there to do the job. And like, that was a mentality. I don't think Maurice Hooker had the job mentality. It looked like uh, he, he was like, I don't know about shocked what was unfolding before him, but it didn't quite look like he was there to lay down. He just knew that he was going to be forced to lay down basically. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think he went into the fight. I think it's a fight he never thought he could lose. And so even though, like, all of this shit was, even though his preparation probably was terrible and all this, maybe something else was going on, I like I said, I can't really say for sure exactly what happened. But in his mind, it was like, at the end of all of those thoughts would be like, but I never am going to lose to this guy because he's not good. And so then it was like, oh, but now I'm losing to the guy who is no good this this sucks so commentary was talking about after the fight virgil versus blair cobbs and like the pessimist in me is like all right these guys are clearly greasing the skid here uh they want to just let you know what it's going to be right now so that when they do it you've had enough time to go through the seven stages of grieving or is it 10 stages i don't know You've gone through half of them, at least however many there are. Probably true. I I don't know though. I I don't get into pop psychology, so. Do, but do you, you do get into sources stuff? I mean, does this sound like something that they would do? I mean, it would make sense. Do I think that they will do it? No, I don't think that they will. But like, if they did, would I dislike it? Yes. Does it make sense on some level? Yes, because. He's only got one loss. This is the type of like that's the exactly the point of Murray Sucker is like you're you're getting the name and like you're getting the ability to say that he just beat a former champion who like Virgil just fought two fights ago and beat in like a relatively competitive fight. I guess I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but that's I mean that's the sort of thing that this win does is like it makes that fight. I wouldn't say viable because it's stretching it, but like it makes it conceivable. Um, would I like it? No, I would not like it at all. But at the same time, it is an option. I guess. I, I guess th- this fight makes this an option. Do I think Golden Boy will do it? No. Um, but also, I wouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't be surprised, and I couldn't really complain about it because, like, I would complain about it in the sense that. I understand exactly why they're doing this and I get why they're doing it. And so like, it's kind of like, almost like they're working me or like Belair Cobbs is working me, but it's like X-Pac key. It's like, all right, well, I guess at least I wouldn't mind at least see, I guess seeing him get his ass beat, but um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes it, it makes it viable in like the cynical sense or like in the promoter sense of the word, not in like the sporting sense of the word. So if you put your Vince McMahon hat on, and presumably keep your hands to yourself for the next few minutes. Um, mm, those are <laughs> mutually exclusive co- concepts, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Would you make that fight next? Um, and, and understanding. No, I, no, I would do the. Ro- I would do the guy who won for. I would do the guy who won. So I would do Rocha first. But this does give them another, like. If after the Rocha fight, you still can't get whatever Crawford, I don't know, maybe like they, there's like a Crawford Spence two fight deal and maybe whatever Stan Jonas and other like whoever that kind of sec- second class is kind of maybe Ugas fights Thurman or something like if all of the guys who are potentially actual 
good options don't materialize in the next six months, Cobbs would give you another person who I would maybe say I could do as the next fight, which is kind of depressing if you think about it because it's not a progression at all in any sense of the word, but like it is another acceptable fight. And like the situation we're looking at right now at, in that division is both for reasons that are nothing to do with politics and also add in the political reasons, like a lot of the fights that would make sense for Virgil that aren't just strictly going after the title or like the title holders are, are not really possible. So um yeah, I, I just feel like they must be angling for that. Or at least that's a contingency plan that they have if they can't get somebody else. I I, I mean I, I kinda like it from like the whole shrewd promotional aspect, but um I know nobody would be happy with it. Uh until um Blair Cobbs calls Virgil a fat ass or something and tells him, you know, don't kill yourself trying to lose weight or something like that. Then, you know, <laughs> we got ourselves a fight or maybe they'll have him fight Mark Ortega next. Um, yeah, he, Mark Ortega's not, not suing them. Right, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that would happen, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> like ring, ring magazine, ring city. Are you like, are you confused right now? <laughs> Colton boy. Uh, he's probably not gotten paid from either, but um, that's neither here nor yeah. there. <laughs> Where's the Venn diagram here? Oh, no. unpaid employees. <laughs> Empl- employ- employees with fucking back pay. You <laughs> uh, to get your paycheck oh from. <laughs> Wage forge your emails <laughs> or forge your signature on tax documents. <laughs> oh my god jesus christ uh, it's like the whole con- first of all forging someone's signature on nda seems like the most insane thing to do because the whole premise of an nda is that someone, you're convincing someone not to speak out so like if they have a fake nda they probably won't even know about it until they've already violated it and even if they do know about it it's like yeah bro i i i, I didn't sign that shit like, of course, you're going to stand up for yourself and be like, fuck no. Like, I'm going to prove that this is fake. <laughs> it's like the, that's like the one thing you kind of need to, like, coerce their opinion on. It's like, mm, you got to make it worth your while to sign this NDA. Like, Vince McMahon knows about this. You got to make it worth their while to sign the NDA. You can't just be like, yeah, sorry, we, we already. It's not one of those things you can be like, oh, see the paperwork. Well, it's like, nah, bro, you, well, you're, they're going to expose you. It's the one thing that well, they have to. They'd be like, yeah, no, that's not my signature. I didn't write that. And if you were going to, uh, if they, if they were just gonna like not speak out anyway because they're a little good soldier, even though you signed the NDA for them, maybe when you copy paste their signature, don't include the surrounding uh, like print stuff on the page so that it doesn't look like you actually copy pasted it. Uh, that might be good. Yeah, like at least just at least trace it. At least at least do the work of tracing it and making it very slightly in some way. Like you can't just do the fucking Adobe like copy paste. What the fuck? <laughs> and if you're gonna do the Adobe copy paste, make it an e signature. So you, at least you can, you know, be like, hey, he fucking e signed it. Blah, blah blah. It's like you can't copy and paste someone's real fucking signature. Like, bro, Jesus Christ. If He's if a- you guys don't know what's going on, Ring City, which you know maybe half of you don't know what Ring City is, but Ring City 
got a little deal with NBC Sports Network, like literally a, a year before NBC Sports Network was like actually <laughs> rest in peace anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> it, rest you in already tell like Sports the fucking Network. crow or the, the the vultures were circling, and uh, they did some shows and the commentary was really good. Um, I'll give it that they, they brought Bob Papa out of retirement before the live tour scooped him up. Uh, and they, they had some good fights too. I mean, they had uh, like Brandon Adams against Bochuk or whatever. They, it, they had some decent fights for that like Showbox E level. I like the Machado fight. Or Machado. Yeah, they got Machado killed on national TV again, which is like, geez, that was the one good thing HBO did in the last five years of existence. <laughs> and then, uh, but but then uh, it all fell apart due to the pandemic. And uh, due to the pandemic, it's like kind of like DAZN. It's like we restructured because of the pandemic. Fucking heavy air quotes there. Like, mm. uh, I mean, well, if, if the pandemic didn't do it in uh, running out of money, certainly did. And it looks like they did run out of money. They promised somebody money and then uh, didn't pay him the money, then signed an NDA. They took a tax document. This this is all in like a lawsuit that our, our buddy uh, RJ from uh, Patrons posted a bunch of um, the info for uh, this past week. But they took a tax tax document of of this gentleman's and lifted the signature and copy and pasted it onto an NDA. But like, so that, you know, the little triangle that tells you where to sign. They included that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. on a contract that none of the other signature fields have that <laughs> yeah I mean, they're, they're um, it doesn't look good it doesn't look good for them um unless well they ran out of money so who cares sue me I, you know, maybe that's they're like fuck it if you're gonna waste your resources suing me <laughs> there's no money left We're, we took that shit out or spent it all but, but didn't ring city already have like one of the co-founders sue them because he was like yo you guys stole my idea and he didn't he file it from like prison oh oh uh yeah yeah that's uh greg cohen yeah uh in the news <laughs> recently for uh jarell miller and also uh hasim rahman uh <laughs> just interesting shit going on with those two gentlemen under Greg Cohen promotions. But yeah, no, he was, uh, well, he got sent to prison for, I think, wire fraud. We can just, um, disclaimer this entire section of the podcast as like, allegedly we think this is our best recollection. Um, shooting from the head. We're in the, we're in the U S we're in the U S we got pretty, we got pretty good, like wiggle room here with, uh, some of the libel laws. But I'm pretty sure Greg Cohen was like, yeah, in the original pitch meetings. But then he got sent to prison for wire fraud that had nothing to do with boxing. I think it was another separate business entity, if I recall reading this correctly. Um, and so he was in prison for like whatever, nine months or something for this wire fraud or something of that nature. Some sort of illegal transaction um, money business. And uh, then they just created the business while he was gone and didn't include him so yeah i'm pretty sure pretty sure you're right that um there already has been a series of ring city lawsuits and i think i i think that he was right on that too he had like the pitch notes uh from the meetings or whatever like the fucking powerpoint they showed to to try to raise money for this and it was like word for word the same shit as the ring city (laughs) like man you guys are really not not killing this whole like let's not get caught red-handed when we get sued thing. That's tough. 
uh, so yeah, it was definitely wire fraud. I looked that up, and then uh, but while also locked up in the slammer, uh, one of his fighters, I guess he promote. Well, yeah, he did promote. Uh, sent a, like a termination. Dude, Greg Cohen has promoted a lot of a lot of big time fighters yeah. from from. But sorry to interrupt you, but no, no, he's promoted a fine. lot. Like he's but he's existed in the sport for a while. This guy's a nobody. Uh, for our purposes, maybe on a Tim Boxdale podcast, no. But um, then uh, I guess Cohen refused to acknowledge a termination agreement and just was like, "Nope, I still promote you." <laughs> like, yeah, you can't serve me. I'm in prison. <laughs> It's, and these civilians can get in here. That's serve actually me these law. papers to terminate the agreement. It's like, nah, you kind of got some LEOs uh, surrounding you every day, pal. So I think if somebody wants to serve you, they probably can. But what do I know? Uh, yeah, I mean, where are you going to go? It's not like you, you, you could just leave the country. Uh, yeah, no kidding. It's like, mm, uh, yeah, I'm going to go into cell B. <laughs> So I, think they, the I, think, I think they got the key i think they got the key to that one dude uh yeah so uh yeah ring city getting sued very likely that we will never hear from ring city again unless it pertains to uh unpaid wages or anything of that sort let me ask you a question wow that was a hell of a tangent by the way i'm jeez louise i don't I, know where we started I'm with sure that everyone is very 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 happy that we caught them up on the legal goings on of like Shit I mean, we had talked we had talked way too fucking much about Blair Cobbs on this podcast. Like we needed a tangent to something else. We had to lighten for, for everyone's for everyone's sake, you know what I mean? Well, I mean let's lighten the mood up a little more. Uh so do you know what today is? I'll tell you if you don't know. It's August 9th, Tuesday night, 9 42. We are recording. And um do you know when Anthony Joshua's next fight is? When I, I do not look at the calendar, it tells me that Anthony Joshua's next fight is going to be in uh, like two weeks, I think. It says um, August 20th, he will be fighting Alexander Usyk for... Uh, Skybox office, yeah. I, I downloaded the graphic when I saw it, now that you remind me of it. So, yeah. That's it. That's, I do, that's, uh, that's uh, what, 20 days? Uh, the August twentieth is that twenty days. <laughs> oh, I hope everyone at home just had a good chuckle at that. Angela thinks <laughs> August twentieth is twenty days away, but what day is today? The ninth. Hmm. Relax. I, I I'm real not- a real brain buster. So it's 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 in less than two weeks, and uh, this here fight does not have a television agreement here in the u.s i don't think it has any broadcast rights announced at all as far as i know outside of domestically and in the uk i don't when you say domestic i don't think i don't think it's been i don't i don't what well the fight is what's domestic to the fight saudi arabia yes so they probably know how to fucking watch it i assume jesus i I bet they don't Dude, they're probably giving that shit away, man. Where? I mean, like in a positive way. Dude, in order to maintain the fucking sort of operation that they got going there, like as far as the government goes, they have to make they have to give shit to their citizens, man. Like a lot of shit. So it's like a seven hundred and sixty-two. No one watches that. But 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 well, yeah. I mean, 
what, what what's going on with the U.S.? Uh, why is there no U.S. broadcaster? Um, how do we watch? I I have the same answer that Eddie Hearn has, which is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, so it'll be announced by it'll be announced. Um, it'll be announced by Dazone woman. I I have nothing to do. I have nothing to do with that. That that wasn't involved in this fight. This fight, we sold all of it to the Saudis. So you know, we're just not, you know, we're not involved with this anymore. So so that's what we're supposed to just. Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe it'll end up on fucking what was it? Cloud TV? How you could watch the the cruiserweight final from oh, uh jetta that was that was last big fight in jetta one hell of a reference right there okay, cloud tv that you fucking that. Get, get emails in your junk folder to this day from cloud tv <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm pretty sure that they had the they had the um they had the like fucking right they had the fox news of fox news um before it went mainstream and became newsmax you know back in Whatever year that was, like 2017, before before the political world really got crazy. <laughs> Heavy uh, sarcasm there, but also not. I'm just looking at the Wikipedia of Cloud TV. I I don't understand what this is. Um, I don't think I don't think the people that came up with it did either, to be honest. So I don't know. It's just so weird that like a fight of this magnitude. Um, you would think that there'd be more interest second time around because of the result of the first, that there would be like huge interest for this fight, or, uh, huge relative to like a afternoon European British fight. And we still have no announcement. And like, I, I guess the, the whole excuse of like, well, the Saudis are responsible. I don't know, as like the promoter and like the, the keeper of the fight, the person that's been entrusted to like deliver us information it just seems really weird that we have absolutely nothing well if, if i'm gonna be serious about it for a second i mean i think all of this is like downstream from them really pissing off the saudis with what they did with the zone i think fresh that our our memories oh yeah with with okay so okay so what her matchroom did uh with was sell the Saudis the 360 broadcast rights like all worldwide global rights to this fight as part of the package for the quote-unquote site fee which it's really more than a site fee so um but in, in order for the lump sum that they were going to get in return from the fight from Saudi Arabia um they sold them all the rights and so the little game that they played was they sold them all the rights and then the next day as soon as the fucking before the ink was dry, they announced that AJ has signed the lifetime deal with the zone where he's going to be a band ambassador and he's going to get the zone tied on his ass and whatever, like whatever other clauses, whatever were in that announcement. And so what was the intention of that? It was to discourage anyone else from wanting to bid on that fight because you made it very clear in iron ironclad in fucking black and white terms that this was a one fight investment. So do you, the Saudis, we all know from the beginning wanted this fight on sky in the UK. That's one of the reasons that they coveted this so much is because they knew the platform that Joshua had always had. And they wanted that platform. They didn't want this fucking knockoff version of that platform 
that is what Hearn and Matram are not trying to sell him, which is it's his own bullshit. So they were like, they were planning when they bought the rights, planning on, well, Matram can't sell them the rights because Matram has this exclusive agreement, blah, blah, blah. But they can sell us the rights and then we can get the a go to sell them to whoever we want. So we can go get the rights bought from Sky. So that it attempts to poison the well of the market viability of the fight in the UK by saying, oh, well, AJ's, ever gonna, AJ's only going to be on zone from here on out. So why wouldn't the zone be the ones who it ends up with now or why would sky we're gonna why would sky want to get involved with it now if they're they're just paying for one fight by itself and they have no chance of retaining well in theory aj if he's the winner which is i mean everyone is always thinking about these things in long-term investment and so in the end obviously we know that sky got the rights and we know that with the announcement of that and the length of time that it took, we know that that was uh, there was some contentious stuff going on around that. Mainly that the Saudis are gonna feel fucking burned if they're like, "Oh, you sold us this thing, but you had this ulterior motive where you're like, "Oh, well, we're gonna sell it to you, but then we're also gonna undercut the market for the product we just sold you, so you have to sell it back to our partners, his own." for like even though you didn't want to They're go with them dip, essentially we're, we're going to try to sabotage we're going to try to sabotage the other options for you it's essentially the way that it played out and so the only guess that i could have i mean the only conclusion i could come to with the fact that we don't have we always assume that it's going to be disowned because uh, is showtime going to buy like bid for for the same reasons that for the same reasons that it's not viable it was in theory, not viable for any other bidders to bid for the UK rights. Why, why would anyone else want, like, why would ESPN be going for this fight? Like, are they going to sell it on pay-per-view here? No. Like, you know what I mean? There, there's no real US, there's no US provider that it would really make sense for at the price I'm sure that they would be wanting it. And so the fact that it's not announced for zone already makes me think that they're is some sort of standoff or some yeah i mean so, some personal personal getting way of business sort of thing and so i mean <clears throat> i think it's too uh, ridiculous for it not to end up on disown but there have been plenty of fights that run disown where in usually it's from like a random country where they didn't like solidify the rights until whatever 48 hours before and then you know it's on so it would surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if that, like, I think that is the most likely outcome is like 48 hours before the fight. We they're like during fight week, we find out that it, we can watch it on the zone, but I think all, all options are possible. I, I still think even it being on the zone pay-per-view in the U S is possible. I don't think likely, but on 10 days notice, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But I, I at this point, they've, it's such a, bizarrely um on like a, a, a situation that has no direct parallels so and, and i and i don't think that the forces at play are all strictly just like market forces so i don't think that there's any like without knowing specifically what the personal entanglements are here i don't think that anyone could make like 
some super accurate prediction or, or whatever of what's going to happen because i don't think necessarily that the the things that are going to determine the outcome here are just your standard who's going to pay the most and who's most in who does it make whose business does it make most sense for yeah yeah it just it just seems like uh i mean i have my theories about it which i'm not going to get into here but it seems like there's a lot more at play here than it just being like uh your standard well we're negotiating and we're trying to get the best deal here there's there's more that's happening i think and I think one of the important things to pay attention to is how, when is the next time we see a fight go to Saudi Arabia and what are the parameters around that fight where that would eventually go to Saudi Arabia and how much time is going to pass? Because I think that's important. Um, there was some news that broke this week. I think it was Dan Raphael's Substack or whatever. Uh, maybe it was Deuce Rollins' Twitter uh, although you would have known a lot earlier if you followed Deuce. Looks like Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford likely going to happen early November is what it is. Uh, is it time to start getting excited? Is it time for us to start debating or do we still have a ways to go? What do you think? Um, the one thing I will say is like, I don't think I don't put that much stock in Dan's update. Um, but I thought the fight was going to happen for, before that. And all indications were that the fight was going to happen before, like, regardless. Um, I know people like, especially people who are on social media every single day talking about boxing for every day, like got to the point where they were wondering why they hadn't announced this fight or hadn't heard of it or like why there was no, official movement on it or whatever but like all of that stuff is just kind of like created in your head by like being obsessed with shit all the time like in reality there's been one fight that was announced for november and it was announced this past weekend uh and it was for november 5th on the uh the jojo diaz williams a peta fight like so if the date was always in november like why would you think that it would be announced already now? Like just none of that made makes like any sense as to why we should have expected to know about this fight earlier. Um, and also, I mean, I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't think Dan, uh, Dan is lying, but also I don't necessarily know if he has some super special magical sources on this one. Um, but generally speaking, I, I think, Dan is, mm, you have to read between the lines sometimes, but it's not as much of a bullshitter as Coppinger, that's for sure. Um, but regardless, I mean, I, I think people people can get excited in the sense that I think that it's going to happen. I think that's going to happen for myriad reasons, some of which I can get into this podcast, some of which if you DM me, maybe I'll tell you, and some of which I'll, you know, I won't tell you ever because I'm just like, just that kind of dude. Um <laughs> But, but I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's going to happen. I think people can get as excited as they're going to get about a fight that's like three months away. And there's a bunch of other fights before that, that if you're a boxing fan, and especially if you're like an American boxing fan, you can get excited about in the meantime. Um, 
but I definitely one thing I was I, I think people can not I would advise people that they do not have to get like all histrionic about like oh we haven't heard it about it it's not happening because of this or like be a complete fucking like fucking Michael Montero and like just tweet erroneous bullshit about how it's been 200 some days since the the fucking PBC could have made this fight and they didn't or whatever stupid fucking tweets he puts out because that guy's a dumbass um you definitely don't need to do shit like that because the truth is is that this was always the timetable for the fight this as we've known since fucking the summer since the beginning of the summer since even before that since whatever uh april or whenever the fuck the ugas fight was it was like we knew that crawford wasn't probably gonna fight and he was fine with that for a while after the porter fight and we knew spence was gonna fight ugas and then the fight was probably like the fight was probably going to be targeted for around November. And so it's just like people, I don't know. There's a lot of silly reasons that people um, have kind of created different narratives around it. But um, yeah, I mean, generally, if there's one takeaway you can take away from my sense of things, it's that, yeah, the fight's going to fucking happen, guys. The fight's going to happen. We're going to get the fight we want, I think. Uh, and so we can be happy about that, but also like be, be a grown adult. Like you can delay your fucking, your, you know, what's a uh, delay gratification, like delay your gratification. It's like, it's going to happen in the middle of fucking November. Okay. So don't piss your pants. If there's not a fucking announcement for it after the, like, I know Ray Jackson, shout out to Ray Jackson and his goof, goofball Twitter account. But I know that he's like doing this fake sources thing, which is like funny, but like he, he just keeps he kept tweeting that like the next card is gonna it's gonna be announced. And it's like then creates this like wave of these morons getting like, oh, it's not it didn't get announced. That's my boy. It's like, dude, it's not it's it's hey guys, it's, don't expect it to get announced at uh um on the broadcast for the Broner fight. Don't expect anything, just expect like when you let the time pass. When you get to the middle of November, we will probably have this fight. I think we will have this fight. So just like 10 to eight weeks out is typically when fights get announced. Uh, certainly big ones. That's probably when it's going to be. And, uh, you know, you could just look back at the history of like Canelo's pay-per-views, uh, specifically the plant one or Errol's pay-per-views before. Most of the time, eight to 10 weeks is when you get it. And we are not in that time zone yet. So uh, just chill. But I, I also think it's going to happen. And uh, let's I, I just feel like sometimes like just wait for the official announcement. Just wait for the official announcement. Like and uh, and then just like with Pacquiao and Spence. I mean, Pacquiao Spence was just randomly announced. No one saw it coming. And it, it, it brought Twitter to a halt because everyone was just losing their minds over that fight happening. And I, I ideally would like for the spence crawford announcements to, to just drop out of nowhere no sources no nothing and then everyone lose their mind which they well, and don't, don't get fucking exhausted about it before there's anything to even fucking talk about like people by the time like the announcement gets here people will be like oh well you don't need that let's get to the fight like just chill the fuck out like enjoy it on its own terms it's all good guys like 
It's all good. When the announcement comes, let it let yourself enjoy it. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ, be a happy human being for once. Instead of like just crying for how boxing is let you down again. <laughs> Speaking Jesus, of uh, man. happy human human beings, if we can move on here. Um, Teofimo Lopez returns to the ring this weekend against Pedro Campa. Um, is there anything else happening this weekend that we should talk about? Or at least mention, we're not going to talk about that fight. Um... No, genuinely, like there's not really anything else going on um, that I know about. Um, there's the Salida card tomorrow. Um, that's not really important. Um, yeah, I mean, the schedule is yeah, kind of light right know. now. Fima Lopez returns. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where he. I mean, at. the next the next weekend is like popping. You know, the next weekend's got a lot of cards and also some interesting ass undercard fights. I, I think. Um, uh, I think I'm going to make a tweet of all of the non-main events. Um, Are you going to rank that weekend. them? Dude, there's like seven or eight really interesting undercard fights. I think the on all of the... has two really good fights on the undercard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, I mean, the top rank card has um, the top rank two main event also that are really interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Baez, if I you like good. watching Navarrete, fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, that... Well... <laughs> But the problem with that card is it has fucking Nico Walsh on it. Nah. It's like, mm, just as I want to fucking give you guys a bunch of credit and tout your undercard as being awesome, you put fucking oof, Nico Walsh. Nico Walsh in a fucking rematch against, like, what? Who? What? I don't know. We don't need to get into that. But I took him to um, and, like, almost beat him. Yeah. We're doing that. They're whatever. fucking the Connor Ben uh, timetable of this guy's career. Bro, and they're gonna end up doing fucking Berlanga versus Walsh. That is your that it that's, the, that's the big that's, that's their big MSG fucking 2024 takes. Bro, when it happens, I'm not gonna be there and I'm not gonna get any credit, but there's gonna be a few people <laughs> that know I called it in advance. You know, so that's enough <laughs> well, for me. More enough people for me. in attendance for that fight than know that you came up with that first. That's the question. Oh, I'm sure there will be, man. That, at that point, like, bro, the Ollie Walsh gimmick is getting over, man. You know, uh, just don't a, ever show up. No. Just don't ever show a picture of why, why his his Walsh is in his name. That ruins it all. The only question the, I have for you, sixty-year-old white man, no athleticism. Sorry, yeah. what were you saying? Yeah, I. I, I mean... <laughs> Uh, I'm just gonna see if there's anything to talk about on the undercard. Tiafimo Lopez, nah, nothing. This is typical. Like, I mean, it's like, I don't know. Like, where does top rank keep getting these guys? It's like Andres Cortez. It's like he's 17 and 0. It's like, wait, I've never seen this guy fight, and I watch a ton of boxing. I've never seen this guy fight. Where they where they find him, and where did he fight 17 times that I didn't see one of them? Well, they also isn't there also a couple of. There's also a couple of the uh, the Olympians on there or something like they that. They got the babies, you know. They got the, the babies on here, but like you know, whatever. I understand those guys are going to be on the undercards, but I, what oh if- yeah, yeah. I was just saying, I, I saw it earlier. I well, because I know, I know, um, I know the undercard the the week after the one we we're just talking about the 27th is like big baby, um, <clears throat> the non. 400 pound big baby uh, uh and then like fa jog fa jog and like 
Yeah, there's like a bunch of heavyweights on that card on the 27th, and then there there is a extremely some really interesting fights on the 20th. I just have no. I'm totally blanking on who's on the 13th. Uh, Xander Zaya. Oh, Zaya, Zaya, Zaya. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the, the simultaneously a, an actual decent prospect and the most overrated prospect. If not, if not now. He is the future most underrated, over, uh, overrated prospect. Sorry, yeah, um, he's just being pushed. He's being pushed, regardless of whether he's good or not. And he is pretty good. So, like you know, uh, I'm not trying to hate too hard, but also like, yikes! He's getting he's getting pushed to the moon, regardless. So, let me just uh, be the one to say. I mean, they're just finding a way to shove him down our throats in a way that's like this is just not fun. Like nothing is like yeah, very very Roman early Roman Reigns esque. It's like mm, okay, mm-hmm. you maybe had something organic, and now you're just gonna maybe this guy's good, maybe he's not. But like every time he like speaks into a microphone, it makes me want to punch my TV. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I understand it because Felix Verdejo just you know committed a capital crime <laughs> and. So they need a new Puerto Rican. They need a new Puerto Rican. You know, it was like, hey, we had the guy. We thought he was the guy. He 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 got knocked out against a B level fighter, maybe even like a C level fighter. But we still thought we had the guy. And then you know he went and, and they, he went and committed just a horrific crime that we you know we'd probably have to bleep out if I actually went into the some of the details of it. So you know, and then we gotta uh... just. Move on. We got to move on. We got to move on to Berlanga, but Berlanga sucks. So now it's Zayas because he's too young for anyone to say he sucks. Well, he's also too young for them to be forced to match him to prove that he's not. Like you, we literally have three to four more years of Zayas fighting this level of opponent. And like, you can't even be mad at them. It's brilliant. Yeah. What I will say is, um, his fight on that um on the Valdez Conceição undercard was not good um and that seems to be just like wiped away from the canon of the Xander Zaya story uh by top rank like oh he's just dominated everyone he's ever fought that was so amazing yeah, that- it's like mm. he got it not so much not that it, not that it actually matters first of all not that it actually matters plenty of guys have, have, have like pedestrian performances in like their tenth fight and like it doesn't it's like you may as well be talking about some amateur fight. It doesn't fucking matter in the end, always. I'm not saying it always does, but it is annoying when you're told that he's like never. He's just been a sterling, sterling prospect. Blah, blah blah. It's like, bro, I would never say that about fucking Joey Spencer because I, I, it's not true. So <laughs> let's like chill out. Let's chill out about saying about Xander Elias. Oh, blah, blah. it's like mm, I saw him get hit a fucking lot. In a fight like two fights ago, so chill the fuck out. But anyway, that's my little that's my little zag, you know. For all the zigs, gotta have a zag. I mean, but I think what you said is applicable to a lot of young fighters that get pushed too hard. Um, they all come against opponents that got like really just show how human they are, and it's like, look, treat this guy like he's the prospect that he is don't don't tell us that this is the future superstar there's only one guy who's in a very early point of his career and even then you can point out to a fight that's like "Ah, are you sure and that's Keyshawn. if we ignore that fight that he had in dubai where it was like why isn't he getting him out of there i don't know 
Well, I didn't watch that fight because it was not promoted by Daniel Kinahan. Don't mention this fight to Jamel Herring ever because he will get very angry and subtweet about you. But yeah, that was uh, that yeah. Was but but other than that, like Keyshawn looks like you know he looks the part. All these other guys, I, you know, I I still need to see the work. But anyway, we'll wrap it up right there. Um, Deuce, always good having you on. Follow this guy at Ranger Rollins on Twitter. Um, anything you want to say? Um, just if you're if you made it this far to the podcast, I will drop a little nugget for you. Um, they just announced that um, there's going to be a card in Tijuana on October 1st. That uh, it's going to be Jackie Nava's um, retirement fight. If you know who that is, cool. If you don't, that's fine. Also, she's 42 year old. Um, mexican boxing women's boxing kind of like legend if you will um but they announced zen for promotions this is announced this that uh luis neary will be on the co-main event of that fight luis neary that card uh yeah exactly well he's actually of zen for before pbc but um yeah it's but it's because it's like a homecoming tijuana fight and they want a big celebration for whatever big card there. So Neary's so about to be they're, bring, they're, they're bringing him. They're bringing him in to do a squash match. They haven't announced the opponent yet, but like, I wouldn't. Um, basically, like, there's a reason. There's a reason that like PBC is not like worried about it. Um, and so, and so, uh, yeah, that fight will happen on October first. But um, I would still fully expect. Um, Stephen Fulton's next fight to be against Louis Neary. Um, whenever that does happen. So if you want to run with that, you can. And if you don't want to run with that, you can also do that. But uh, for those who follow my timeline and saw that I tweeted out some Neary Figueroa stuff, or uh, not Neary Figueroa, Fulton Neary, a hashtag and a graphic a little while ago, it's still technically true just slightly different timeline than originally thought so you claim i mean yeah you can believe me you cannot i'm just a fan of sources you know <laughs> also known as just, i just tweet shit i really i really just tweet bullshit all the time oh uh, the other thing i'll say is uh i tweeted a poll today um that was which fight do you think which fight from recent memory do you think Eubank Jr. versus Ben will more closely resemble? And the two options were Canelo versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and or Golovkin versus Kell Brook. And I think that ultimately, if you can boil that fight down from a promotional standpoint to its bare bones, that is the question. Which of those two actual play out wise? Well, no, I mean, it's not going to necessarily, I don't think it's going to play out exactly like either in the ring. But if you're from the Connor Ben promotional standpoint, that is ultimately the question that you're going to, that you have to ask yourself. And the outcome that's going to matter to you was, was it more you picked off the Chavez Jr. and it worked out and, commercially it was a big success and you got by totally unscathed or was it Kelbrook going with Golovkin where 
it could have it, it was a success financially it would have helped if you didn't kill the rest of your career physically <laughs> but unfortunately you got the dog shit beat out of you and you're never the same and also you never could make the weight properly that you left to take the fight so anyways if you want to vote in that poll you can go to my twitter but also just in general i think that is the main talking point or lens that people should uh, maybe think about that fight through because if you're matchroom you hope that it's canelo chavez jr if you're looking at it as a neutral it might seem like it's more of a Golovkin brook so we'll see i don't know with that said thank you guys for listening we will be back next week